here just for a moment. Uh, we are going to continue our worship. The next thing we're going to do is have our prayer and our weekly free will offering contribution. Where is Mr. Dallas at? Mr. Dallas Kawai, please make your way forward. Before Dallas uh, leads us in prayer, uh, a couple of things that are uh, pretty exciting. Uh, first of all, Jack Goldberg is doing much better. Jack is uh, still in the hospital, Huntington Memorial, but uh, he's alert now and talking and just doing much better. So I think we have a lot of reasons to believe that he's going to recover and because of his recent surgery, he's going to be better than... Okay, be seated again. You know, sometimes on Sundays, I get up here several times, I feel like I'm a, a yoga instructor or something, you know, I'm telling people when to stand up, when to sit down. But uh, you should be seated right now, Sean O'Connor. So much like you, Sean. Anyway, uh, I introduced myself earlier, Reese Nealon, one of the ministers here, and I'm giving the message for today. Uh, if I haven't met you, I hope I'll get to do that today. I uh, look forward to doing that. Hopefully you'll stay around for a few minutes afterwards. Uh, it's been a very, very exciting week already. Of course, uh, we already mentioned several times, Albert Roldan got baptized yesterday. And very excited about uh, what we're doing in the families here and about the children uh, growing up and becoming teenagers and even at a young age making a, deci a decision to, uh, to follow Jesus. Uh, something else exciting this week happened, if you didn't know, is my wife's car got stolen. Yes, and um, it was a little, a little scary, a little intense. Uh, I was actually out of town for a couple of days earlier this week because I was at some leadership meetings. And during that time, her, uh, her car got stolen. She texted me that her car got stolen. And, uh, you know, I, I texted her back, are you sure? Because... My wife um, frequently thinks things are lost, and it seems they really aren't. You know, she misplaces things. But I guess it is hard to misplace a car. So we, uh, we have an apartment that we live in. Uh, you didn't know that. We, we have an apartment that we live in in Pasadena. And so this is a, you know, it's a nice enough apartment complex, and they have uh, a gate, uh, you know, a parking structure underneath the apartment. And, you know, we have our own little uh, private spots for our, our automobiles. And so, you know, we, uh, you know, it seemed like it was uh, safe and everything. Uh, we've been living there for over a year. Nobody else's car has ever gotten stolen. What's, uh, what's remarkable about it is, so somehow somebody got in in the night uh, into our gated parking garage. And uh, they picked her car. Uh, which, you know, she has uh, or had a 2003 Toyota Echo uh, that, uh, yeah, they don't even make that automobile anymore. It had uh, well over 100,000 miles on it. Uh, we've been just waiting for it to die. Um, you know, and so it just was curious... Of all the automobiles in our parking garage, why would anybody want that one? <laughs> so anyway, uh, it turned out it was stolen. We reported the police. They, they actually caught the, uh, the people. Uh, they, they tried to wa rob a Walmart. And another reason, I don't know why they 
chose our car because they were trying to get away from the police <laughs> in the Toyota Echo. And uh, it's, it seemed that it did not... What's that TV show about, you know, stupidest criminals ever? This, this should be on there. I mean, why would somebody choose that car and choose to rob a Walmart and outrun the police in that car? So anyway, uh, very exciting week for us. Yeah, the car got totaled. Yeah, they, they crashed it. Um, unfortunately, you say, well, you know, I, I didn't even have any insurance on the collision. I mean, we had liability for, you know, de medical, de you know, people, damage, you know, all that. But because the car wasn't worth anything much, uh, I didn't even have any collision on the car, so we got nothing for it. To add insult to injury, just in case your car ever gets stolen, Sandy, I just want you to know what's coming. And the car was towed because it was towed, you know, it was towed to a place. They charged us $175 to get it out. And they told us that if you don't get it out, it's going to be $150 more every day that you leave it in here. So, see, Albert, you were the only one that had an exciting week. Uh, anyway, well, uh, we got a few minutes here. I'm looking forward to sharing a message with you. Uh, if you remember, you were here last week. You know, I just finished a series of lessons out of uh, Mark, the book of Mark, one of the four Gospels, one of the four counts of the uh, life and ministry of Jesus. So we ended that last week. So today, we're going to start a mini-series. Yes, it's a, a mini-series that's small, short. Uh, so it's either going to be two weeks or three. We'll see what the Lord does with us today, Rob. I cannot speak confidently about such things. I only know it's not going to be done today, but it's going to be short. That's the idea anyway. Uh, by the way, at the end of the service, uh, I think Kevin Batchelor is not in here. He's out helping with the uh, the money and such. Kevin Batchelor, oh, oh, there he is. Say, Kevin Batchelor, up. He's he's looking down on us all uh, from the balcony. Yes. Do you sit? Up, do you go up there every Sunday, Kevin? I've never noticed you up there before. Is there a reason that you don't come down and sit with the rest of us? There is a reason? Would you like to share that reason? Oh, you're counting. He's, doing, he's getting the attendance. So he's, he's getting the attendance. Then you're going to come down, right? Okay, so if you don't know Kevin, he's going to share a little bit about his life story and how Jesus worked in his life and... You don't want to miss that. Uh, that's, at the, that's at the end of the service today. It's, 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 as soon as he shares, we're going to have a prayer and get out of here. Uh, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be fantastic. Anyway, so let us begin. So have you ever wanted a close relationship with somebody, but you were frustrated because you just couldn't seem to get in, so to speak. You know, somebody uh, that you really wanted to be a, a close relationship with, you wanted a, a deep connection with them, uh, 
But it seemed like no matter what efforts you made, you were frustrated because it just didn't seem to, to work. And they just didn't seem to have the same willingness, desire to have that relationship as, as you did. This can happen in our romantic pursuits. Uh, perhaps some of you know that initially when I met Mary Kay, my wife Mary Kay, the one that car was stolen, um, I was immediately struck. I was moved. I felt like I had received a vision from heaven. I felt like, and I had never felt that way before in my life. I go, this is the woman that I need to marry. This is the woman I'm going to marry. And so I pursued it, uh, or, or, at that point, I began um, two years of pursuing her. And, you know, she did not seem to have the same <laughs> desire that I did initially. Of course, now, looking back on it, eventually, uh, God won out. And uh, <laughs> God moved in her heart. And so uh, we, we did end up together. But... It put me in an awkward position because for two years we were college students at the time, I was basically forced to stalk her on campus. And uh, nowadays I read about people getting arrested for stuff like that, that I used to do. But anyway, I was, uh, I was desperate. But it's, it's painful. We can laugh about it. But it is painful when you want a, a close relationship with somebody and, it, and they don't seem to be responding. And it just can be very frustrating. And it can be very painful. Uh, sometimes it's that way with, uh, with our parents. You know, you want to be close to your mom or your dad, and for whatever reason, there just doesn't seem to be the connection you want, and you're not able to be as close as you want. Uh, sometimes it happens, parents have it happen with their children. Uh, particularly as they get to be adults. Some of you have adult children like I did, and or I do, and sometimes it's you want to be close, you want to be connected, and it just feels like it's, uh, it's not working. Uh, sometimes it can even happen in marriage. Sometimes, you know, we start out and there's a lot of passion and there's a lot of fire and there's a lot of enthusiasm. And then as time goes on, sometimes you, you begin to lose that, it seems. And uh, one or more of the, the, the people in the marriage are, are frustrated because... I feel like I want to be close, I want to have a connection, but it's just not there. And sometimes it's, it's not dramatic. The people that, we're, that we want to be close to, they're, they're, they're kind, and they're polite, and they're respectful. But there's a distance. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it's just uncomfortable and painful. If it hasn't happened to you yet, uh, it will. Chances are that even right now, even the younger people here, as you're sitting in the audience, perhaps you're thinking about somebody, somebody you want to be friends with, or if not a family member, and you're just frustrated because you want the relationship to be so much more, and uh, it's not there yet. So would it surprise you if I told you that Jesus wants a close relationship with you? Chances are it doesn't surprise you, but I think hopefully in this short series we're going to understand that and embrace that and we're going to try to look at it not from our point of view, but from Jesus' point of view. Because I think sometimes 
Jesus can be very frustrated. It can be very painful to Him because He's wanting to have a close relationship with us. And we're the ones, right? If we're honest with each other, with ourselves and with each other, we're the ones who are kind and we're polite and we're respectful. But in our relationship with Jesus, we're distant. Let's look over in uh, Revelation. Uh, Revelation is the second easiest book in the Bible to find. Genesis being the first book of the Bible, I'm going to assume that's the easiest one. Revelation is the last one. And so you just go to the maps at the back and turn left. And you'll get to Revelation, okay? So I'm not sure of the... Are these scriptures going to be up on the screen? Dave is nodding ever so slightly. As if he's thinks so, but he's not sure. Anyway, they may pop up on the screen, but we're going to read from Revelation 3. And actually, uh, Brian Tan and his wife Erica are here today. Welcome, Brian and Erica. They uh, serve in the teen ministry. They're sitting right in the middle of the teens there, huh? Even when you visit another service, you just can't get away, huh? Anyway, it was great. Brian uh, spoke for us a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I, I heard he did a great job, and uh, he did. And... Um, I actually uh, listened to his message online. I thought it was great, uh, except for the parts where he talked about all the things he was going to do because I wasn't there that day. Uh, you know, just, to, just so you'll know, that, that doesn't really work when they record your sermons and put them online. You thought about that later, didn't you? Yeah, it was a learning experience. But anyway, he did a great message, and he actually used... We're going to look at a message that Jesus gave, a short message, to the church in Laodicea. And he actually, it was part of his lesson, but we're going to look at it from a little different perspective, actually, than Brian did a few weeks ago when he preached. But the thing that uh, is important to understand, Jesus, this is written to a church. This is not, this lesson here has nothing to do with how to become a Christian, or how to, to, to be converted, or how to be born again. This is written to a church, and actually the church in Laodicea, from what we can tell, if you understand a little bit of the history and the background, had been around for about 30 years. So no doubt there were people in that church that were like some of us. They went back to the beginning of the church planting in Laodicea, and they have maybe now been in the faith for 30 years, and others 20 years, and others 10 years, and I'm sure there were newer uh, followers of Jesus as well, but a lot of the people there would have been a part of the church for a long time. And I want to read this first part together, and I know a lot of you are familiar with this. And so I want you to look beyond the things that perhaps scare you. Because this is there's some things about this part of the Scriptures that are scary. But I want you to look beyond the things that are scary you and see if we can get a little bit of the heart of Jesus here. Right? Understand from Jesus' point of view. It says in verse 14, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. That's Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. 
You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Of course, he's talking about their spiritual condition. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. We'll stop there for the moment and then we'll go on. You see what's happening here? These people are Christians. Yet, they were no longer had the passion for Jesus that they had when they first started out on their journey. Do you see that? Now, they weren't cold. They were still coming to church. They were still faithful members. They were still on the church roll. Perhaps they gave money. Perhaps they read their Bibles from time to time, if not even every day. They prayed and... They did their Christian things and, you know, they may even have given $52 a year to hope worldwide, to help the poor around the world. But Jesus says, you know, I am disappointed. I'm upset because I want so much more out of our relationship. Do you see that? They were religious. They were kind. They were respectful. They were polite. But with Jesus, they were keeping their distance. And this may have been going on for years. Do you think something like that could happen? Do you think something like that could even happen in our church today? Can we look beyond what scares us? What I see here is I see Jesus in pain. I see Jesus is hurting. And He's upset. Because people He so much wants to be close to are keeping Him at a distance. Did you know that Jesus... i got some good news for you. Jesus doesn't want you to be religious. But Jesus wants you to have a relationship. And so in this series, we're going to talk about, in the, the, at least next week, and we'll see how long the series goes, we're going to talk about how to have practicals or how to have a close relationship with Jesus. But that's what Jesus wants. And Jesus is frustrated with them in their relationship to the point, he, it's almost like there's a breaking point here. Do you ever get that way with somebody? You feel like, you know, how was it my dad used to put it when I was growing up? I put up and I put up and I put up and I'm done. You ever feel that way in a relationship? This is Jesus is coming. There's some sort of crescendo that's building here. And he's saying, enough is enough. But look behind it. He's, he says, I just want our relationship I don't want it just to be what it was when we started on this journey together, but I want it to be even more than that. I want us to be close. I want us to have a deep connection. He talks about their present condition. And he describes them 
Did you notice that? Wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Uh, those are not good things. Right? But here's what, you, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus was not upset because they were broken. Jesus was upset because they acted like they weren't. Jesus was upset because He's saying, look, from where I'm sitting, you are broken. But the problem is, not that you're broken, but you think you don't need me. You think you're fine the way you are. You may have thought you were broken when you got baptized. You know, maybe you, maybe that crossed your mind, Albert, before. Maybe somebody was studying the Bible with you, and we do this with people, and we want to help people. And we say, well, in order for you to, to make a decision to follow Jesus, you need to look at your sin, and you need to get broken. And sometimes we get a bit broken, and we get baptized, and we repent, and Jesus heals us, and then we try to spend the rest of our life acting like we're okay. Let me tell you something that this may, this, is, this may not be the most encouraging part of the sermon for you. There's going to be some encouraging stuff coming. This may not be it. The best one word description of you is broken. The best one word description of me, and I'm talking about today, is broken. Yes, there is healing. Yes, God is good. Yes, He works powerfully. He's done a lot in my life and a lot of good stuff in my life. But the truth is, even now, after all these years, I'm still broken. I'm still broken. My, my character is broken. You ever feel that way? It's okay to admit that. My head is broken. You ever feel like that? I'm not talking about you got a concussion or something. I'm talking about, you know, I look at my brain and my way, way I think, and I go, you know, you don't want to look in there because it's scary in there. Even now, I'm still broken. Broken relationship, broken spirit, broken dreams. Jesus says, you know, that's okay. I love you. I love you. And I'm going to work and I'm going to help you. And you know what, though? You just need to understand you're going to continue to be broken to one way or another until we go on to the next life. That's where the great healing takes place. Are you guys all following me? Yeah. He's not upset because they're broken. And, I, and some of you sit there and you go, wow, you know. I don't think Jesus would want a relationship with me. I mean, I haven't told anybody yet. I haven't told people how I'm really feeling. But you know how I you know what I really think about myself? You know what? I'm afraid to say it out loud. I am broken. Why would Jesus want me? That's the beauty of it. Jesus wants us in all of our brokenness. He's upset not because they're broken, but because they're acting like they're not. They're pretending like, I'm okay. I don't need you anymore, Jesus. Thanks for that cross thing you did. That was awesome. And the resurrection, really cool. And that thing where 
Forty days later, you just ascended into heaven? Well, I wish I'd have seen that. That must have been wow. But you know, now Jesus, I'm good. Jesus says, no, you're not. Whether you realize it or not, you need me as much now as you ever have. And I don't care how many years you've been in the faith. In the moment you walk away and you put me... You know what happens? Our relationship just becomes... Did I say this? Kind. Polite. Respectful. But distant. Let's finish up here. Part one. The next two verses, verse 19 and 20, in my mind, are some of the most important and best verses in all the Bible. So if you're not excited, I hope you'll get excited. And even if you've read them before, they give us a picture of the real Jesus that we all need to see. We already figured out Jesus is in pain. Jesus is coming to the end of His rope. Jesus is challenging them. Jesus is calling them to repent. And he's doing it strongly and He's doing it boldly and He's doing it in a way that can't be misunderstood. And then He says in verse 19, Those whom I love, I rebuke in discipline. So be earnest and repent. Those... Whom I love. You see why Jesus is so upset? Because He cares. Because He loves. He loves us. He wants the best for us. He wants to have a great personal close relationship with us. Jesus loves you. Do you know that? Sean O'Connor. Jesus loves you. Can you believe that? Autumn Dignadisi. That was a no-look pass there. She's over here. <laughs> Jesus loves you. That's not just a bumper sticker. Right? He really does. And so in spite of who we are, and in spite of how broken we are, and in spite of all the maybe even years of neglect that in our relationship with Him and our walk with Him, and we've been stiff and arm in Him for a long time, He says, I haven't given up yet. Those whom I love. This message is strong, but it's coming because of how I feel about you and how I love you and what I want for us. You know, Jesus is so different from me. Do you ever feel like that when you look at Jesus? He is so different from me. And that's a good thing, trust me. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. She'll tell you, that's a good thing. Here's where it gets so real for me. Verse 20. 
Again, this doesn't have anything to do about how to become a Christian. Right? We already established that, right? But the message, the message here must be heard. You'll never have a great relationship with Jesus if you don't have the right picture of Jesus. Here's where we need to get our picture of Jesus. And this is as powerful as any in all the scripture to me. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and be and he with me. The first thing that Jesus said, Here I am. That's the title for the message today, by the way. Jesus says, in spite of everything, in spite of how you're living, in spite of how you're treating me, in spite of how long it's been, and how serious your need to repent is, right? Ready to spit you out? I'm still here. Here I am. This is where we see the difference between Jesus and me. Maybe Jesus and you. When somebody treats me like that for a long period of time, I'm gone like yesterday. Right? I am done. I got limits. You know, I'm not. And so I'm either, I'm no longer there. Or if I am there, I've checked out emotionally. You know, you can do that too, right? You can leave without never leaving. You see that in marriages sometimes, and it's a tragedy. You're still there, but you're not there. Jesus says, I'm still here. He hasn't left us. He hasn't given up on us. Here's the good news. The love of Jesus did not end at the cross. You see where we're going? And this is why it's important to have the right picture of Jesus. Because some of us, we do understand our sin. And we do feel broken. And we are disappointed because we made our decision to follow Jesus. And we haven't done well all the time. And maybe even right now we've been in a bad place. And there's sin in our life. And we haven't repented. And we've been mediocre. And we've been lukewarm. And we're still here. But we don't have hope anymore. Because we think in our heart of hearts, Jesus doesn't really want me anymore. Jesus doesn't really want a relationship with me anymore. You see what Jesus says? No. Here I am. And the next part just moves me. I stand at the door and knock. Is that your picture of Jesus? Not only did I not desert you, not only am I ready to go, I'm standing at your door. And I'm knocking. And I'm saying, in spite of everything that's gone on here for however many years and how bad it is, all I want is for you to open that door and let me in. I stand at the door and knock. Let me make sure you understand this. Jesus is standing at the door. It's not because he can't get in. <laughs> Jesus can come through your door anytime he wants to. 
It reminds me of these, uh, my wife and I laugh at it all the time. We're watching a TV show and in these, these dramas, you know, they come up and, you know, the police or whatever, evidently they have to get into a house and the door is locked. All they do is just kick it and it just flies open. <laughs> Are you aware that it doesn't work like that in real life? I mean, really, I mean, if you could open a door that easily, just having one little kick, we wouldn't even need keys. No problem. I, I, you know what? I, I lost my keys. No problem. Poof. Door flies open. But I, I digress. Okay. I need to get back to the message. It's not because he can't get in. But here's what we need to understand about Jesus. Jesus can do many things. Jesus has done many things. Jesus will do many things. But one thing that Jesus won't do is make you love him. Now, he's done his part, not just on the cross, but even today, no matter where you are, he's standing at your door, he loves you, he's at your door, and he's knocking, and he's saying, would you just, just let me in, okay? It's all I'm asking, just let me in. I love this picture of Jesus, don't you? But see, if we got the wrong picture of Jesus, we're like, the last thing I'm going to do is open that door. As soon as I open that door, he's going to come in and beat the living daylights out of me. Right? I ain't opening that door. If I open that door, the first thing he's going to do is say, why you left me out here so long? You know? I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes when people come to my door... I deliberately don't answer. I know I shouldn't admit that. Not any of you, but I'm talking about a salesman. Certain religious, certain fanatical religious groups should remain nameless. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to sit here for a moment quietly. And you know, the good news is they always go away. Here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus doesn't go away. He's still knocking. What a picture of Jesus. He's so big. It just said in the beginning, He's the, the ruler of God's creation. And we know Jesus created everything. And He's Lord and He's... Sovereign and he's all powerful and he's who could describe his greatness, his awesomeness, his grandness, his how big he is. But in love, he is so small. Because he loves you and because he loves me, no matter how we've been living, no matter how disappointed he is. No matter how frustrated he might be, he's still standing at our door. He's not screaming. He's not pounding. He's not threatening to break in. Just let me in. Why? What does he want to do when he gets in there? I just want to sit down. And have a good talk, 
share a good meal together. That's what friends do, don't they? That's what family does. You know, my family almost never gets together that there's not food involved. He says, I just want to... I'm not looking for a pound of flesh. I just want... I want to be friends. I want to be close. In spite of everything, Jesus wants to be close to us. So what we're going to do next week is we're going to talk about some of the practicals about how to get close to Jesus. And uh, I'm going to ask Kevin to come on up uh, and be able to share. Let me just say this um, as he comes up here. It's your move now. Jesus is knocking. Don't think he doesn't want you. In spite of everything, he wants to be close to you. It's your move now. And I want to ask you to consider everybody in here in the next 24 hours, have a good talk with Jesus. Now, I don't know what that talk's going to look like. And maybe you feel like we've been doing great together and you just want to talk to Jesus and go, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for taking me in my brokenness. And thank you for what you've done already. And I just love being close to you and I want to keep getting close to you. But maybe you've got some more serious things to do. In the next 24 hours, have a talk with Jesus and uh, come back next week. And we'll work on uh, this uh, personal relationship with Jesus. Kevin Batchelor. Uh, good morning, everybody. As Reese has mentioned a few times during the sermon, my name is Kevin Batchelor. Um, I do take attendance. I'm the uh, head usher here. Anyway, uh, Reese has asked me to talk a little bit about my conversion uh, and how I became a Christian. So um, right now I'm married to my Brazilian bombshell wife, Deborah, who's in Kids Kingdom. Uh, I have an awesome daughter named Emily who's out with the All-Stars at their service. And I have a great and athletic son named Sean who's about seven feet tall and looks like he's 25, but he's 14. And he's actually uh, with the teens in Glendale. He spent the night with Alex Kentony last night. Um, I uh, am self-employed. I'm an electrician. I've been an electrician for 13 years, and I've worked for myself for two and a half years. Own a home in Temple City. Uh, it's great. Uh, I've been a member of this church for almost 17 years. Uh, my life before I became a Christian was, uh, if it was a movie, it would be called Rebel Without a Clue. Um, and I, I appreciate the laughter, but it's really not funny. Uh, I have a, a long history of making very bad self-destructive uh, decisions. Uh, I was an honor roll student, and I quit high school my junior year. I got an opportunity to play uh, in a minor league athletic organization, and I got in trouble and uh, was luckily, uh, lucky they only kicked me out of Canada. Uh, next, I went in the military. I did really good for about three years. I was actually part of an amazing group of young men that did very unique and exciting things in places all over the world. Got in trouble and got kicked out of the military. Uh, and after that, things went from bad to worse. My life had no foundation. I had no convictions. Well, I take that back. The convictions I had were very fluid, and I would adjust them towards the situation. I was very hedonistic, very selfish, very immoral. I was a genuinely bad person by anyone's measure. Um, uh, 
the life I chose to lead ended up costing me every relationship that ever mattered, including my mother and father, uh, all my friends, my brothers. Uh, I moved around from place to place uh, on two separate occasions. It even cost me my freedom for extended periods of time. Um, the last time, I kind of had an epiphany. I had a job. I was scrubbing a toilet at 4 in the morning in a place called Susanville, which was very cold, and there was ice on this toilet, uh, the water. And I thought, wow, how did you get here? You know, you come from a, from a good family with money. Both of my parents have a lot of little letters after their name, like MD or PhD, and here I am scrubbing a toilet. No high school diploma. Uh, I felt like I had no future. So I decided I needed to get back to L.A., and I did. Uh, when I came back to L.A., uh, funny, uh, I got invited to church by this guy named Ernest. Now, Ernest, I knew briefly when I had lived uh, up in Northern California probably a year and a half before I saw him in Van Nuys, and he invited me to church. And I, uh, I came immediately. I've always had that mustard seed of faith that believed in God, but I've never done anything with it uh, in my life. Uh, frankly, I came to church because I was at my wit's end. Um, I was completely broken, completely broken. I had, I had no vision for myself, no confidence in myself, uh, no confidence I had a future, and I felt that it would take a miracle to fix my life. And uh, I came to church, and uh, I found that miracle um, in the fellowship and in the Bible. Um, so uh, on February 15th of 1998, I got baptized into Christ. Um, thank you. Sixteen months after that, I married my best friend, who I'm still married to today. Uh, and nothing, pretty much nothing but good things have happened since then. Um, God gave me the power to change the things I couldn't change. God gave me the vision to believe in myself. And God gave me this awesome international, even global support network of people like you that are watching me right now that love me enough, warts and all, broken and all, to be a part of my life, to accept me for who I am, and to give me uh, good advice and, and uh, to believe in me. Um, and that's what really impacted me. The first time I came to church, I saw a loving fellowship of people of all colors and all economic and educational strata. I'd never seen that before. And I had gone to at least a half a dozen other churches. So um, if you're visiting here with us today, uh, I would strongly advise you to study the Bible. Uh, the, one of the first things I learned is being a Christian doesn't mean you just come to church on Sunday. Uh, it means you have a relationship with God. And like Reese said, he's knocking at the door and he wants to come in. So study the Bible and find out what uh, God's truth is and what his plan for your life is. Thank you very much. Let's, uh, let's have a prayer. Remain standing, would you? Kevin, thank you. Jesus, thank you that you, uh, in spite of everything, in spite of all the ways that we lived maybe before we were born again and we found you, and all the ways that we've lived since then maybe, or maybe even how we're living today, thank you that your love is so real that the, uh, your love did not end for us at the cross, but that you still want us, you want to be close to us, uh, help us to appreciate that and to embrace it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great day.